Um, Matthew 25 um, is where we're going to be. A couple weeks ago, we considered, um, I asked the question, what gift would you give yourself? And uh, we had some pretty interesting answers. Uh, Timmy Spillman. Um, some pretty interesting answers that night. You know, material gifts or spiritual gifts, whatever it is that we talked about uh, that night. And we, we looked at, at the first, first we looked at the account of Mary and Martha. And if you remember that message, Mary was serving and, and busy, but she was doing it all with the wrong spirit. And Mary sat there. Uh, so Martha was serving, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, letting Christ work in her. And Jesus says that Mary chose the better part in that situation, that in the eyes of God, Christ's lessons to, lesson to Martha was that spending time with me comes before serving for me. And that's true for all of us, folks, that, that we ought to let Christ work in us before we work for Christ. Because if we, if we don't, a shaky spirit always undoes, un, undoes solid service. And so, we, you know, we can say, well, I'm, I'm serving, I'm doing it right. But if you don't do it with the right spirit, then none of that really matters. That's what Jesus was saying. So the idea was the first gift we give ourselves this season would be time spent with Jesus Christ. And listen, there's no more important activity for you and I to do and spend time doing than at the Savior's Feet. Let him work in you this season. Uh, don't just be busy. I know it, it's busy. It's been busy. We've got um, activities and we have parties and we have things to go do and we've got extra things um, added in at this time of year. But don't just serve and be busy. Sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. He's not as interested in your service as he is interested in time with you. And of all the gifts that we could give ourselves this season, give this one to yourself. Give time spent with Jesus Christ. Then last Sunday night was our, our, our Christmas program. And we were in Luke 12 about the young man who kind of barged his way to the front of the crowd in the middle of Jesus' sermon and said, make my brother split our inheritance with me. I mean, Jesus is talking about big things, important things. And this guy was so consumed with the material treasure that he lost sight of the fact that he was literally talking to the Son of God. All he could think about was what he wanted. In that moment, he was talking to Jesus Christ. So Jesus then gave a parable about a rich man who had so much stuff that he built bigger barns to hold it all. And, and, but, and he thought, well, this is going to help me be at ease. I'm going to finally have rest. But death had different plans. And the man did, did, or died without getting to even take any of that stuff with him. He needed to recognize that contentment cannot come from earthly treasures. It will never satisfy. And I didn't connect it as much that night because the focus was on the service and all of our guests. But in my mind, I prepared that message thinking this. The second gift we should give ourselves this season is contentment in eternal treasure. Contentment in eternal treasure. So we started off talking about time. That's gift number one. The gift I'll give myself this season is time spent with Jesus. The gift I, I to give myself this season is to be content with eternal treasure. To not seek to get more treasure and more material things, but to be content with what I have in Jesus Christ. Let him take care of the rest because we so easily lose sight of the fact that true contentment can't be found in material things. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. And uh, he's the only treasure that truly satisfies. So I'm going to encourage you this season to find contentment in eternal things, not the earthly stuff. 
And so if you think about it then, to this point, the gifts that I've, I've talked about on Sunday nights, the gifts that we give ourselves, number one, for a Christian would be our time, and number two for a Christian would be our treasure. And number three, tonight, I'd like to round out the concept by focusing on our talents. Our time, our treasures, and our talents. Now, a talent can represent anything that God entrusts to us. It could be our resources, it could be our abilities, it could be our gifts, it could be your family, it could be a relationship, it could be anything along those lines. And tonight in our text in Matthew 25, we are actually talking about um, literal talents. And the context here in the opening part of Matthew 25 is this parable of these, these, uh, the kingdom of heaven being like a wedding party and they're preparing for the coming of the groom and half of them waited too long and they weren't ready for him to come. And they missed out because they weren't ready. The other half made preparation and they were ready for his coming. And so let's begin our reading, Matthew 25. Go ahead and stand um, and we'll begin our reading in verse 13. So don't forget, then the parable of, of the wedding parties just taken place. The idea is that the master um, is going to come back and we will answer to him. And some will be ready to answer and some will not be ready to answer. So look at verse 13. It says this, the concept of verse 13. Which watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And, and that's true for us, but technically this, is, um, this context here is about entering into the kingdom, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But the concept is the same. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And the idea is the same, that we ought to be ready for his return. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made on them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two... He also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and did and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And when it hid thy talent in the earth, lo, there thou hast that is thine. 
His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. You could have at least done that, he says. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The context here is entering into the kingdom. After the tribulation entering into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. There will be some servants that will be ready for his coming. And some will not. And, but lest we think this doesn't apply to us. Um, these servants aren't the only ones who will one day stand before their master and answer for what they did with what they had. You and I will do the same exact thing. We will stand before him and answer for the things that he's entrusted us with. There are gifts that you can give yourself. You can give God time. You can give God your treasure. You can give God your talents. And I'm telling you this tonight, God has entrusted every person in this room with a certain number of, of gifts and abilities, talents. And one day he'll return and we will answer for how we used them. There's the concept then that I want to deal with tonight. Are you using your talents to build the kingdom? Let's pray. Father, we need you. I need you. And I pray that you fill me with your spirit tonight. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Yesterday, I stepped out of my office for just a little bit. I was watching the young people have their Christmas party, um, and uh, the, it was crazy. I mean, just chaos, lots of fun. Um, and I, I went out while they were giving their gifts away. And, and I wish you could have seen some of them. Some of the gifts were hilarious. There were, there were a few okay gifts that, that maybe you might would want, but honestly, most of them were bad. I mean, that's kind of the point of it, right? A white elephant gift exchange. I mean, I saw people with creepy dolls. I saw um, somebody with an ostrich that was about this tall. Um, I, I mean, not a real ostrich, but, but it was standing on its own two feet. I, I saw useless knickknacks they were giving to each other, having a great time, laughing about it, enjoying it. And that's about the only setting in which it's fun to get a bad gift, isn't it? That's probably really the only time you want to get a bad gift is in a setting like that. We don't like to get bad gifts, and yet some bad gifts, uh, we get bad gifts from time to time. I mean, I know, husbands, let me just tell you this. Um, as much as your wife might need it, don't get her a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. I mean, come on. That's a bad gift. Um, an empty picture frame is a bad gift with random people in it, okay? Um, weight loss books, don't do it, okay? Regifted items, don't do it. You don't know if the person you're giving it to gave it to you in the first place. Okay, so don't, these are bad gifts. So, what do you do when you receive a, bad, a gift that you're not excited about? Well, you can turn around and regift it, which is what some of us do, or you can put it away and never use it unless the person they gave it to you is coming over. Then you pull it out like it's a big part of your life, you know, or you go and exchange it. For something you like. You know, whatever you do, bad gifts are no fun. They're just not fun. And, and I started thinking about bad gifts, and especially because of the party yesterday. And it caused me to think this. I'm really glad there are no bad gifts from the Lord. 
See, everything that he trusts us with is a good gift, according to James chapter 1. Every gift that he gives is a good gift. But here's the thing. Most of the time, when you get a good gift, uh, we want to hold on to it. We want to keep it so that we can enjoy it. That's our natural response. We want to hold it tightly. We want to get rid of the bad gifts, for sure. But the natural thing to do with a good gift is to hold on tight. I mean, for instance, if you get your dream car for Christmas, and uh, some of you guys, you teen guys, you've got a dream car that you want, and if someone gave it to you for Christmas, you're not going to take that back. Um, you're going to hold on to it. You're going to use it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, but see, here's the thing. There's a transition. There's a difference here that I want to point out. When it comes to God's gifts, the opposite is actually true, meaning in order to get a joy, God's gifts the most. We ought not hold on to those gifts. In order to enjoy the gifts that God gives us, it's actually his plan for us to let them go. It's actually his plan for us to invest them, to release them. We must first give them back to the giver before we can actually enjoy the gifts that he gives us. And I want to look at this parable tonight and just go through this. It says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now, servants means slaves. It's, it sets the tone for the whole parable because we know that a slave answers to his master. This master had expectations for his servant while, servants while he was away. He gave them material resources and, and he expected them to do something with those resources while he was gone. Look at verse 15, it says, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. See, a talent here actually refers to, to finances. It's, we're talking about money tonight. A, a talent wasn't so much a specific amount of money as it was a measure of weight of money. It's a talent would be um, they, upwards of 60 to 70 pounds of silver would be a talent. I mean, and, and if you're doing your math, you're starting to think, that's a lot of money. It absolutely is. Um, they, they say, I'm um, different numbers come out, but, but it's pretty common for commentators to say that one talent would have been about 20 years worth of wages by the average day labor, laborer. One talent. I mean, 60 to 70 pounds of silver. I mean, I guess it starts to make sense. That would be 20 years of wages. So one of the guys here gets five talents. So how many years of, of wages is that? Were you listening? 20 times five teenagers. 100. Oh, they're so good at math, aren't they? No, 100, 100 years of, of wages? I mean, that's a huge amount of money. And verse 15 even says the master determined, um, in verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And by that, he means um, that Jesus is saying that he gave each servant what they were capable of handling. 
So to the one that got one, it's not unfair because that's, he could only handle one talent. But by the way, don't think he didn't get very much. That's 20 years worth of wages. To the one that, gave, that got two, it's not, I mean, that's a lot, um, but it's not nearly as much as five. But see, God knew what each of them could handle. And, and what he's saying is the best stewards get the most re- resources. Those that God knows who are going to take best care of it. Those that have the greatest abilities. He knew what they were capable of and he entrusted them accordingly. Now as a side note, don't forget the end of verse 14 says and delivered unto them whose goods. What does it say? Look at verse 14. And delivered unto them his goods. I want you to remember in this story... No one is forgetting who the money belongs to. This, the resources belong to the master. The servants were simply stewards. They did not view these resources as their resources. And this master then gave them his resources, his gifts, and said, I want you to do something with these while I am gone. Verse 16 says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. The idea of verse 16 is when it says, then he that had five, basically the idea is immediately he went out and he took care of business. He didn't sit on what he was doing. He took immediately, went, took those five and, and doubled the master's five talents. Verse 17 is the same thing. Immediately you could, likewise, you could say immediately, he that had received two, he also gained other two. The verse, verse 18 says, he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So while the other two were doubling the resources they'd been entrusted with, the third servant digs a hole. Now, we don't know his motivation. He claims to be afraid of the master. Maybe he truly didn't want to lose the money. I mean, I happen to believe because it says wicked and slothful. I happen to believe that maybe this third servant said, it could be that my master never comes back. And if he never comes back, I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put this treasure in a hole, cover it up, only I know where it is. And if the master never comes back, guess who gets to keep the money? Now, I don't know that for sure, that speculation, but the Bible calls him a wicked servant. The Bible calls him a slothful servant. And so we know that his motives were, at, were not pure. They weren't right. Look at verse 19. It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh. A long time, it says, and reckoneth with them. After a long time, he comes back and he calls his servants to account. Look at verse 20. It says, and so he that, he that had received... Five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. I love that spirit here. I just can't, I imagine that, you know, he says, oh, uh, he's excited. He, he's excited that his master is coming back and he takes what he has earned and he runs up and he says, behold. You know, when kids are excited, when they've done something you know, good, they want mom and dad to see, like, they clean their room after six hours, it's finally done, you know. Mom, come look at my room. You know, they're excited. That's the way I'm imagining this, is that these servants, they were excited because of what they got to do for the master. They were excited because of the love they had for the master. 
And that ought to be our attitude when we're serving God. That we're so excited that we get to do something for him. That we love him so much that we get to bring him these things that we have done for him. And it's not about me, it's about him. I can be excited and, and, and thankful that I get to do something that might please him. Both of these servants seem very excited to bring their, their gains to the master. Verse 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 22, he also that had received two talents. That's the same exact story. He, he has two talents more. He comes and says, behold, look at the talents. And the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Notice the one that was given two talents wasn't asked to turn it into five talents. Do you notice that? God was okay with, or the master will say, the master was okay with the fact that he simply brought back two talents. You know why? Because all he was asking them to do was do what they could with what they had. The man with five turned it into five. It's a huge sum of money. And these first two servants, though, they did what they were supposed to. They were found faithful. And the reward was this, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So that expression was used when, when people would come to a banquet and, or a wedding feast. Enter thou into the joy. Enter thou into the joy. It's a kingdom parable, which means this symbolizes the Jews that will be invited to share in the master's joy when he sets up his rule and reign during the millennial kingdom. That's the reward for faithfulness. Faithful servants get to share in their master's joy. That's a pretty solid reward for being faithful, isn't it? Unfortunately, servant three was not faithful. Look at verse 24. It says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. He represents, this person represents the the one not prepared for the Messiah's return. If you read into between the lines, he blames his master. He views his master as hard and imbalanced and merciless. He resented that he had to answer to his master. But listen, that's part of being a servant. The master expects servants to produce with what they've been given. And, and we know the rest of it that the master calls him wicked. He calls him lazy. He doesn't deny that he has high demands. But this servant simply said... On his talent. He was unfaithful. The Bible says he was wicked. He was lazy. And he was judged harshly for it. And even in the judgment. The master then took the one talent. That this man had. And gave it to the one who had proven to be faithful. See faithful servants receive reward. They get more added to them because of their faithfulness. Unfaithful servants are judged. And receive no reward. So that's, he had, what he had was taken away in verse 29 and 30. Look, and, and I could spend a lot of time expounding on this text, but I want to give you some truths here tonight that I think will be a help. See, we serve a master who expects us to answer for the gifts he's entrusted us with. We serve, if, if I could sum this up, here's the big idea, okay? And we seem, we seem tired tonight. I know it, it's, it's been a long day. Let's try to just lock in and I'll move quick for the rest of this. We serve a master 
who expects us to answer for the gifts he's entrusted us with. See, the passage is about money, but it's not just about money. See, every one of us has gifts, every one of us has abilities, every one of us has talents that are meant to be used for God's kingdom. Your life is a gift, and one day you will answer for how, what you did with your life on God's behalf. God entrusts every person with certain gifts. And then we, what we, we take what he's given and we develop it, we foster it, and we use it to further his kingdom. And listen, we know some have more gifts than others. Some have been entrusted with more. Some have great abilities. Some have just a few abilities. But these truths, I'm going to give you four truths that apply to everyone. And if you can, maybe to help you stay awake tonight, write these down because I think these will be a help as you serve the Lord with the talents that you've been given. Here's the first one is you won't answer for what you don't have. You won't answer for what you don't have. The second and third servants weren't punished because they had less than servant, servant number one. Uh, he didn't, uh, the master didn't get on to them for, for what they didn't have. They, I mean, yeah, the first, the first servant had five talents. This guy has two. This guy has one. The master didn't berate them because they, did, they had less than he did. That's not why, what they got judged for. And I want to just tell you this tonight. You will not answer for what you don't have. You say, well, I'm, I can't do music. I mean, I listen to the choir sing tonight. I'm thankful for the truths. I'm thankful for those that, that have music abilities. And, and I, I love that. But some in here would say, I can't do music. Listen, Brother Jeremy, Brother Mark. You won't answer for music. You won't answer for it. Some say, I'm not good at teaching. Just waiting for an amen, but maybe, you know. No, okay, you won't answer for teaching. Now, should that, does that mean that God will never use you to teach somebody else? No. You ought to try. You ought to be the best that you can be. But if you don't have the gift, you won't answer for not having the gift. Uh, you say, well, I wish I could lead a ministry. No, you won't answer for the ministry that you don't have. See, sometimes we get so hung up on what we can't do. And I'm not saying that don't, we shouldn't work hard and that we shouldn't get better at certain things. But remember this, our judgment has nothing to do with how many gifts we got. We won't answer for what we don't have. Number two, you won't answer for what someone else has. You won't answer for what someone else has. None of these three men were responsible for what the other two did. We get so caught up in the misery of comparison. It, it can be miserable. I, I, you know, I could say, I wish I could sing like Diana Chambers. That'd be weird if I sang like Diana. We say, I wish I could teach like Chad Viss. I wish I could preach as long as Jeremy Jacob. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake. I wish I could play the piano like Kath Sherman. I wish I could work on cars like Keith Chambers. I, I wish I could fix stuff like Phil Everett or Juan Vargas. I wish I could break stuff like the teenagers. No, just kidding. I didn't mean to say that one. I wish I could do sign language like 
uh, like Jessica Griebel or Sandy Collins. Uh, I wish I could reach high places like Eric Van Z. That one came to my mind today. I don't know why. You know, you talk about being miserable. You're going to spend your whole life focused on what you have, what you don't have compared to what somebody else has. That sounds miserable. See, at the judgment seat, at the judgment seat experience, you won't answer for what someone else has. That's a frustrating way to live because there will always be someone who's better than you at something. So you won't answer for what you don't have and you won't answer for what someone else has. And number three, you will answer for what you do with what you have. You will answer for what you do with what you have. Your job is not to determine the amount you get. Your job as a servant is to be faithful to produce with what you got. You will answer for what you do with what you have. Listen, you have one responsibility as a servant of the master, and that is to do everything that you can with what God has given you. You will, you will answer for how you use your gifts for the kingdom. Listen, you're going to answer, husbands and wives, you'll answer for, for the marriage that God has entrusted you with. Families, you'll answer for the ch children that God has entrusted you with. Teachers, you will answer for the class that God has given you. Uh, ministry leaders, you will answer for the ministry that God has placed you in. You will answer for the resources that you could have used and did not. So listen, you, will, you won't answer for what you don't have. You won't answer for what someone else has. Three, you will answer for what you do with what you have. And number four, you'll be rewarded for what you do with what you had. You will be rewarded for what you do with what you had. If you have been faithful, then master knows he sees it. He rewards accordingly. These faithful servants, they receive more rewards because of their faithfulness. They got more responsibility. They got more blessings because they were faithful. And listen, if you've been faithful, the master knows and he removes rewards uh, and he adds rewards if you've been faithful. But if you've been unfaithful, he takes rewards away because you haven't been faithful. The unfaithful servant had what was entrusted to him taken because of his unfaithfulness. And so here's the connection. And I just want you to follow the thought flow here. Using your talents for the kingdom is a gift you give yourself. Because as you use your abilities for the kingdom of God, you prove your faithfulness to the master. And he takes note and when you stand before him in judgment, he blesses you with great rewards. Not only that, you get to share in, his, in the master's joy. So listen, when we give what we've been entrusted to the kingdom, when we invest it in the kingdom, God rewards us with more than we ever had at the beginning. That's why using your gifts for God is a gift that you give yourself. I just want to illustrate this tonight by um, just uh, having, I might have some guys come up here and help me. I'll, I might use the young guys here this morning or this evening, whatever, whatever it is here. So um, I need someone to come up. Um, I'm going to use Wyatt and Jace. Wyatt, would you just come stand right, right here in front of that pretty flower okay you're going to represent God okay and you're going to hold on to that hey Jace 
You come up here and you stand right next to him. You represent a faithful. No, yeah, one step down. Um, don't try to steal his glory. He gets to be God for just a few minutes, okay? So you're, gonna, you, you're going to be a faithful servant. Okay, so I'm going to represent, for now, I represent the unfaithful servant. And let's say, so, so you take this and then just hand it to me. So, so this is me getting the gifts that God has entrusted me with in my life. So he gives me this, and I, I go somewhere and I open it, and I look inside, and this is very underwhelming. This is the only money I could find. It's Monopoly money with unicorns on it. It's all I had at the house. It's like from a game we have. I asked Jace for money. He said, this is the only Monopoly money we have. But there's five of them here, five talents. So I look in this gift, the talents that God has given me, and I say, well, this is a lot. This is, this is more than a lifetime worth of, of wages. And, and I, I look at what I have and I say, man, I could, I could really do a lot with this. And I look around the room and I know, okay, this person over here, um, somebody needs to tell them about Jesus. And, and I, could, I could take the resource I have and I could give it to them as a representative of telling them about Jesus using the gift that God's given me to communicate, using my knowledge as a child of God, using the fact that I was raised in church and I, and I know the Romans road. That's a gift. These are gifts. And I could use it for somebody's advantage over here, but I decide, no, I really want to hold on to that instead. And, and then I come, you know, maybe for later on in life, I come across somebody who needs some encouragement and I notice they need encouragement and I have a word that could encourage them, but I'm so busy with my own life that I don't stop and say anything. It's a talent that I could have used, but I don't. And I just keep it for myself. And, you know, at church, then there's a, a Sunday school class that comes open and somebody needs to teach it. They need somebody to step in. And I have some experience and I, I really, I think that I could probably do it with God's help. But, but it's outside my comfort zone. So rather than use it to invest in somebody else, I keep it. And this goes on in my life. And all the talents that God has entrusted me with, they're his, by the way, don't forget that. Instead of using for him, I kind of hold on to it. Because I want something in my box. So then when it comes time to go and stand before uh, the Lord at, judgment, at the judgment seat, I walk up to him and I say, hey, look at all the stuff I got to keep. I mean, I still have everything you gave me. And rather, and rather than say, oh, good job, no, then he takes what I have from me and he gives it to the faithful servant instead. So in the end, guess what I'm left with before the Lord? Nothing. That's scenario one. That's the unfaithful servant. Scenario two is this. So I have this gift. You can go ahead and pick that back up. You'll use it this time. And I come, you know, in one point in my life, then I come across somebody that, that needs the Lord and they need to know about Jesus Christ. And I have the opportunity to tell them, and I do. And so I help them. I give, I mean, one-fifth of my talents away, but I used it for the kingdom. And, and somebody else needs a word of encouragement, and I, and I actually follow the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit this time, and I give them a word of encouragement rather than keep it to myself, and I give it away, and now I'm down to just three talents, but at least I've used them for the kingdom.
and there's a Sunday school class that needs to be that needs to be taught. And rather than just step stay inside my comfort zone, I actually step outside of it and I use it for the kingdom. And I'm just down to one talent. But this time, you know, later on in my life, God wants me to give more to missions because he's blessed me financially. And so I do just that and I give more to missions. So I take that talent and I give it away. And now just understand what's in my box. Nothing. So this time now I'm going before the Lord and I give, I give away all of my talents. This time, though, I go before the Lord and say, Father, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I spent all of my talents for the kingdom. And only this time, instead of taking what I have and giving it to somebody else, he takes a whole bucket full and he pours it back into my box. And now I have more rewards than I ever dreamed of when I started. And that's the picture of this story. You can either hold on to what God has entrusted you with and stand before him with no rewards. Or you can give what God's entrusted you with to the kingdom. And when you stand before him, he will multiply your rewards for all eternity. That's the choice we have. And you say, well, that seems pretty selfish, doesn't it? I mean, you just get a lot of rewards. No, no, here's why it's not selfish. Because guess what I do with these rewards after Jesus gives them to me? I turn around and I cast them at his feet. And so the option, the choice is to have nothing to give back to the Lord or to have lots to give back to the Lord. And in the end, it's not just a a gift I give myself. It's actually a gift I give to Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you, this season, the gift you give yourself, I mean, spend time with the Lord, absolutely. Don't be caught up in earthly treasure, absolutely. But the talents that God has entrusted you with have a role to play to make a difference in the kingdom. And if you hold on to those and never use them, you'll have nothing to show for it. But if you invest what God has given you you'll have rewards that you get to cast back at the feet of Jesus Christ. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat. Let me just wrap this up with a few thoughts. You can just take it with you, whatever you want to do with it. There you go. Throw it down. You know, here's the thing. I'm asking tonight, many people sit on their gifts. Are you sitting on the talents God's given you? Some people never use them. They never develop them. They, they never let anyone know they have a knack for something or they have a heart for something. And maybe they act too shy and they think they don't have anything to offer. But the result is the same. They never use their gift. And the judgment seat experience is terrible. Many people use their gifts for things outside the kingdom. They develop themselves and their gifts for a company. To make money for a business And they have no problem sacrificing and pouring themselves into an endeavor that makes money. But they never use their gifts to build the kingdom. And I I know it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to use your abilities to the best that you can for your job. But if you do that without doing your best for the kingdom, then you have lived an imbalanced life. 
Improve yourself, work hard, grow as a person, but don't be more passionate about selfish endeavors than you are about spiritual endeavors. Because, friend, there's a way to do both, and God deserves faithful servants. Tonight, I I just want to say I'm thankful for the people that pour themselves into the kingdom work. They give their talents to God's work. I'm thankful for the teachers. I'm thankful for the bus workers. I'm thankful for the greeters. I'm thankful for those that serve in music, for those that serve in security, those that do sound and media, for those that clean during the week, for those that fix things around the building, for those that are just available for whatever, for those that do the serving and those that do the leading. When we do it for the kingdom, we do it for the Lord. But I'm telling you, what you're doing is giving a gift to yourself. Because when you stand before him, you'll have rewards that you can turn around and cast right back at his feet. Tonight I'm asking then, what evidence of faithfulness will you have to present to Jesus when you stand before him at the judgment seat? God gave you resources. He gave you abilities. He gave you talents. He gave you gifts. He's entrusted many things to every person here. And you say, well, I don't have very many. Well, it doesn't matter. The judgment was the same for the one that had one and the one that had five. They were all responsible to do the best with what they were given. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what others have that you don't have. Do the most you can with what the master has given you and you will be rewarded for what you did with what he entrusted you with. And someday you can exchange, we're talking about gift exchanges. Well, someday you can exchange your faithful service for eternal rewards. And then you'll cast those at the feet of Jesus and recognize that makes the rewards worth it. So here's the gift you give yourself. Use your talents first and foremost, passionately for the kingdom. And God will reward you with eternal blessings. Using your talents for the kingdom is a gift you give yourself. And I want to encourage you to do that this season. Let's stand. We'll, we'll have every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I just want you to imagine standing at the judgment seat of Christ. In that moment, how will you wish you had lived your life? In that moment, how passionately will you wish that you had given your life to the kingdom? In that moment, all the things that you earned on earth and yet you built on earth, they won't matter, but eternal rewards will. And I'm asking you then, what's been your priority? What are you living for? Have you been a good steward with what God has entrusted you with? Do you have palpable, measurable ways that you're contributing to the kingdom? I think tonight's just a good time to evaluate. Have I been good with the talents that God has given me? I want to be a good steward with what he's entrusted me with.